Hello and welcome into a new episode. This is the Scarves Up Podcast. I'm your host, Nat Maymudis, and today, me and you know him, you know you love him, Dave Maymudis, will be discussing will be discussing the Sounders games against the Colorado Rapids and the Houston Dynamo, along with previewing finals coming up in Copa America, the European Euros, and the Gold Cup. And then we might even talk a little bit about the Sounders' next game, which is against Minnesota in eight days. So, got a while before that. Dave Mimutis, how are you feeling now that the Sounders have made have made history in MOS 13 games unbeaten. I guess the traditional answer is better than Bob. Um, Brian Schmetzer is happy with how things are going. Well, I'm sure he can always think of things to improve, and he wishes he had more of his tough kids back from injury. Uh, but I am well. Glad to be here with you, Nat. So let's get right into the game against Colorado. It was on the 4th of July. As we look at the lineup, uh, no Bruin because Bruin got injured in training before this one. So we have Rahul up top and then Christian Rodon and then Madronda was the player who came in to the midfield uh, uh, alongside Smith and Atencio and Paolo and Alex Rodon. Uh, of course, this was Christian's last game before he left for the Gold Cup. And then in the back, Yamar, O'Neal, Suzoko, and Cleveland. What did you think of this lineup? You know, obviously not the lineup we thought we would have at this point in the season. Um, but, um, you know, and the I think throughout the game, the Sounders looked a little tired, a hot day. At altitude, uh, would have been nice to have some of these people coming in after 60 minutes as subs. Um, but, you know, the Sounders made it work. Yeah, so the possession in this game was uh, an even tie, 50% each. Seems pretty fair uh, that it did end in in a draw. 1-1 was the final score. Alex O'Don scores his first ever goal for the Sounders, becomes the only player this year to have a save and a goal. Thoughts on this goal? You know, I mean, just a lot of effort there. Loses the ball, gets a lucky bounce back again, slams it under the keeper. Uh, you know, great job from him. Yeah, reasoning in, uh, and I would say this goes into the Vancouver game um, a little... Um, but, and what happened in the Colorado game is we looked tired and we just weren't making runs into the box. We were just, while we weren't, while other teams weren't scoring on us, uh, they, we couldn't figure out how to score goals. And this is a scenario that I feel like we've, we've fallen into a, a while, um, uh, for a long time, the last couple of seasons, we have been good defense, uh, defensively, but we haven't actually won games because we're not scoring goals. And Alex Rodon in this play 
takes it upon himself, keeps falling in, good hit, bad defend defending by Colorado, but definitely um, happy for Alex Rodon to get his to get his first goal. Uh, if you look at the other stats, uh, we were losing on shots on goal. We only had that one chance. This sort of adds on to what um, I was saying. They had they had three shots on goal. And just for a lot of the game, kept us under pressure. I know for, you know, 20 minutes from the end of the game, I was feeling like I'd be happy to escape with the tie because uh, Colorado looked more likely to get a second goal than we did. Exactly. But in the end, any week that we get a draw and Portland loses by four goals to nil, uh, I don't want to hear it about how many injuries they have. Uh, we love to see it. Uh, first time Austin won. Uh, the new stadium was a thumping, so uh, uh, lucky for us Portland fans will probably have a hard time forgetting that uh, since commentators would definitely bring up that opening at that stadium, uh, which is something we like to see. But moving on from this game against Colorado to the game against Houston. So Christian Rodon left on international duty, um, but Alex Rodon was able to play in this game kind of not not really sure what that's about. Is that I guess that's just, just the U.S. trains more than than um, uh, El Salvador. If you can make a deal with the coach that you can show up a bit later, then you can do it. Uh, so we have Alex Rodon for for that game, um, but and and uh, besides that, uh, another change happens. Um, Javier Ariaga comes in since Shane O'Neill is out injured. Freddie Montero takes the spot that uh, uh, that Christian Waldon was occupying. Danny Leva gets another start in for Joss Atencio. And Madronda comes in, starts again, uh, second time in the week for Brad Smith. What were your thoughts on Danny Leva? And Madronda, uh, and what? Let's actually let's start with Madronda. So Madronda gets a second start. This time he's really playing on the wing. I thought this was probably his his best game with us. Right, he gives you a very different look than Brad Smith does, but you know a lot of effort there, a lot of a lot of good passing. We've said it. I've I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Brad Smith has been the weakest player on the team, and Madronda. In this game, the reports where he looked the strongest on our team. Just looked like he had tons of energy. Very new Who-esque. Uh, and I thought he deserves, at this moment, I would say he deserves to start over Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting that to continue. Of course, Smith's going to assist. And Smith is still going to work hard. But uh, Jim Madronda, it's great to see him, him contributing. Now the question about Danny Leva and Joss Atencio. So they swapped uh, in both games. They came in for one another. Pretty similar players. What do you think about both of them? Um, yeah, you know, Leva, you know, showed a lot in this in this uh, game against Houston. Um, came in, showed a lot of toughness. Um, really, you know, got the job done in the, in the middle of the field along with Joe Paulo. Um, and it's been great to see the pair of them. Who 
are you going with between the two of them? Who do you think has performed better? You know, I still think the way I would divide it in my head is I think Leva has the higher potential, but Atencia might be playing a little better as of today. So, you know, I think you have to try to get both of them in, keep them both developing, and, you know, it's it's lucky that that's still a position where we're lucky to have choices uh, with the number of players who are out. And, you know, wouldn't surprise me if there's situations where we see both of them on the field um, with both Roldan's away. Do you think... Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Freddy Montero in this game? I felt like we saw a little more energy in this game than we had in some other games. Obviously, didn't score, uh, didn't get an assist. Right, uh, but we did see think? more of Montero, the playmaker, you know, acting acting more in that number 10 role. And with Will Bruin being out for most likely two months, it seems like he'll be getting more minutes. Uh so we'll definitely have a chance to see what he can do and whether he can put pressure on Raul for that overall goal-scoring record. Also in this game, we saw Jao Paulo wearing the captain arms band. What did you think of that decision? You know, he's obviously been the workout workhorse for the team. Been, Only showed up at the beginning of 2020, let's remember. You know, it's true, and I'm sure he'll be happy to hand it back to, um, to Steph or to... Alex, when they, I mean, to, to Christian, when they get back on the field. But I think he's been showing some great veteran leadership. He's been doing a lot of unselfish work for the rest of the team. So I have no objection whatsoever to him putting that armband on. So in this game, let's talk about the goals. Uh, finally, Kenan Rowe got his first goal for the Sounders. Scores, um... Scores a Battles very his simple way right in front of the goal. Well, you say it's a simple goal, but you still, know, you still got to be there. You still got to get there. You still got to hold off the defender. I, I think the keeper should have saved this. The keeper makes like a really low effort. Uh, right, you can see the keeper should have gotten, gotten, gotten more of a hand, a hand on to it. the cross. Right, but I think that's um, definitely you know, not offsides. Definitely not offsides. You know, pulling pulling back, and that's the the key thing in making that cross is to get it just far enough away from the keeper that the keeper has to hesitate before diving. And then, and it's another assist for Alex Radon, who continues to to really uh, show that he is a Rodon in like the same way. Like first year he was here. It didn't really play much. Uh, I guess Christian found his way into the lineup a little faster um, than Alex Rodon did. But at this point, like the turnaround for both of them to becoming like such solid, great parts of our team that it's worrisome when they're not there has happened so quickly. And still, it's weird to think about how... How how young Christian Rodon still is. It's it's um it's weird. Like we talked about, he was one of those young rookies that we first talked about when this podcast was just starting, and now he has turned into a Seattle legend. Yep, that's true. You know the the Rodan family has be become a, you know, just a huge part of the of the Sounders' success along with their mother. Uh, with the second, and then with the second goal, Brad Smith uh, got the assist 
to Rahul, what did you think of this goal? Yeah, you know, the Sounders felt in control most of the game, but always, always scary to be trying to hold a one-goal lead. So in this case, you know, Brad Smith and Raul did both what they do best. Uh, Brad, you know, making a great run down the down the wing and getting into a huge amount of space, and Raul just taking a difficult finish and making it look easy. Both these games, uh, I would say, were refed um, very well. I I don't really remember any any calls standing out uh, that I I thought should have gone the other way. Um, the possession in in this game, Houston had more possession, fifty two uh, to four uh, to um, forty seven. So so still pretty even, and they had four chances on goal, um, but nothing really too troubling um, for for Cleveland, except um, when Cleveland came out um, again and Suzoko saved his life. Uh, off of uh, Fafa Fafa Pigot. Um, what did you think about this? It's another time we've seen this now in he almost the, the last like five consecutive games. Right. He came out badly. He didn't quite get there. Did do it? Did do enough to throw the the attacker off? You know, maybe Pico should have done should have done better with shooting. Fafa Pigot needed to just blast it. It's it's definitely it was a bad dis. I would say it was a bad decision for Cleveland. Um, but, 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 uh, Father Pete is more at fault. He just needs to hit that as hard as he can because he made the defensive clearance very, very easy for AB Suzuko. Sure, and Cleveland, you know, but Cleveland did what he had to do, which is throw the forward off his game, you know, so you need to be a little unpredictable as the keeper there. I'm not saying Cleveland's out of the water yet, uh, but, but with Cleveland, obviously. It seems like next year we have an expansion. Well, next year there's going to be another expansion draft. Uh, for for keeping player for protecting players. Who do you think the Sounders protect for goalkeepers? I mean, Cleveland is showing he's he's good, but are we to the point where do we think he is going to be the replacement for Stephen Fry when Stephen Fry retires. Are we at the point where you don't even have to protect Stephen Fry since he is, he has been injured? I mean, obviously they've they've both been excellent. You know, the Sounders have had a, a history of having excellent backup keepers. If, you if know, go Brad, off to start for other teams. So that's a tough decision. I'm glad it's you know Garth and Brian and not me having to if make you that. If you can, if you're Schmetzer, which which player? Are you saving in the expansion draft, or you know, or it, do you risk two spouses? It's way, way too early to tell. You know, obviously you have to see how Steph comes back. I don't think you can let it him go. It might be early. I need an answer. We need an answer. Who are you saving? Are you putting? Are you keeping Fry safe? Or are you keeping Cleveland safe? I think, assuming Fry is healthy, you have to save him. He's been a, a great even player for the Sounders. You don't think teams avoid? You think he still gets picked? Even though he is older, older you know, at this it's point, it's hard to hard to know. I don't know enough to know what the dynamics in the transfer market would be. Um, you know, I don't know how. You know, Steph, I know is building a house on Bainbridge Island. Uh, Stephen Fry is building a house on Bainbridge Island. He wants to be here. Um, so, you know, I think 
you're you've got to repay that loyalty with protecting him if he wants to be protected. Stephen Fry also commentating the Houston game. What did you think of his commentating? Right. So you know clearly he has you know not only ten more years as a player but another potentially fifty years as a commentator. Even more reason to protect him in the draft and keep him in the area. Where do you think he ranks among commentators that you can if it where can um, compare you know, Zakawani and Keller? Who's who's a uh, who do you like the most? Um, you know, obviously they've both been they've both been great at representing Seattle. Um, hard to judge Steph based on that one effort. You know, he hasn't said uh, you know nearly as many annoying things yet as Keller. So he'd he might be above Keller in my list of favorites. Um, you know, favorite ex-keeper commentators, favorite, you know, current keeper commentators. Um, you know, that said, Casey, we'll be happy to have you on the show anytime you want. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, it looked like a great start. But again, I, I hope soon he'll be too busy to be out there in the studio and, you know, back on the field. In other transfer news, uh, it seems like there is a chance that DeAndre Yedlin could be back with the Sounders. What are, what are your thoughts on that? You know, obviously great to see a, a hometown hero coming back and possibility of it. Uh, expecting his first child. So, you know, possible he's thinking in terms of a move back to the Seattle area. Um you know, there's some maneuvering that would have to happen to rise to the top of the allocation order, and then they'd have to work out a mutually agreeable situation for him. Uh, but I can imagine that he would rather take a pay cut to be back in Seattle versus make what he can make in Turkey or China. Obviously, if he comes back to Seattle, uh, we know he's ha- he has more experience playing in the midfield these days. Where do you think... What do you think his role with the team is? Do you think he will become a starter? He would become a starter? You know, obviously that depends uh, what he's able to do on training and on the field. I haven't seen a live game from him in quite a while. Um, Though he did play he did play well in the U.S.-Mexico Nations League final. Um, you know, and obviously with Alex Roldan off, that's the natural spot for him is to, is to slot onto that side. Um, you know, it depends what he wants and what the Sounders need then. Yeah, obviously, I think he would add, he adds a lot to the team since Alex Rodon is like one of the only positions that uh, players who doesn't have a... Uh, a, a natural a, backup? Yeah, Kellen natural Rowe backup. Being who we'd slot, slot in there. Kellen or Rowe or Christian, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, but for other players... Um, or other positions, I, I feel like we'll be bringing in someone else during this transfer window. Are there, where do you think are the Sounders most in need right now? You know, I mean, obviously what the Sounders most need is to get back their starting 11. Um, so, you know, what what holes you fill really depends uh, who's able to come back and when. Um, we're, we're, we are able to, we should be able to buy down, uh, JP's contract so that he wouldn't be a designated player anymore. So 
we we really could go out and get someone. Uh, if you ask me, I would say a, another forward still makes a lot of sense, especially with Bruin being out. Um, but also, we we only have we we have three right now. Um, right, I mean, and, we, and like Montero is like not. He's he's also not like a true forward. Right, he's more of an attacking midfielder. So getting another forward seems very, uh, do very doable, and the right move for the right. team. Right, and I don't know if you're just thinking of something in the short term, somebody as a stopgap until Jordan Morris is back, um, or a more permanent addition to the team. Um, anyway, obviously a tricky situation to navigate through all the injuries. And. At this point, we don't have Chris Henderson, so uh, it's interesting to see if our how our scouting will change. Obviously, he was very good um, at what he was doing, and the players he scouted and brought to the team. Right. Historically, the Sounders have done a good job at finding people, and you know, next man up probably applies uh, just as well to that part of the operation. So the Sounders' next game is. At Minnesota on the 18th, it's it's a uh, we we will not have either Rodon um, at this game. Uh, but how do you expect uh, how, the Sounders to? How has uh, Minnesota been lining up? Has uh, Ozzy been been starting or coming into most games? Uh, I believe he hasn't been playing recently. Minnesota is. After struggling at the beginning, they are above the playoff line now. They are 3-2-1 and one at home, um, and they're 1-3-2 and two on the road. So they are playing better than they were at the beginning of the year. Obviously, we only played them once, and we, we smashed them. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, recently they've been playing, they have been playing um, better. Um what but how do you expect the sounders to line up in this game um you know i would expect we'll we'll stick with our usual formation and you know you'll see uh Rui Diaz and Montero up top um you'll see um you know Kellen Rowe slotting in for Alex Roldan um so then we'd expect to, you know, I guess you'll one of Madronda or Smith on the left, um, depending on, you know, whether Smith, Smetcher thinks Smith's speed is useful. Um, we'll see um, Jao Paulo and uh, <coughs> I guess you've got two out of three of Atencio, Leva, and Madronda in the midfield. Um, so that would be an argument to um, to potentially, you know, start Smith in. So you've got um, more options there. In their last game, Alonzo did, he did start, and it was against Colorado. In Colorado, they lost 2-0. Uh, they had a man sent off in that game, um, but they were already losing 2-0 at that point. So Who was sent off? Is it somebody important to their team who won't be available? Uh, it is um, Abaya, um, Abaya, who I believe is and yeah, he's I'm he's um he's a forward. He was he's one of their new 
their new players who came from South America. And is this their next game? Is he will he be unavailable for that most likely? Yes, that is. They do not have any games um, before. I suppose unless he successfully appeals there. Yeah. So you know, obviously Schmetzer, you know, making making do with uh, you know what he has with a good uh, six or eight players who he'd like to select unavailable. What is your score prediction for that game against Minnesota? Um, I will go for um, 2-1 um, with a goal for Alonzo just because I miss him. And uh, the Sounders getting goals through uh, Rui Diaz and Jao Paulo with a long-range strike. So this game is on ESPN, so it seems like we will probably have Taylor Twelman um, again. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say Sounders 1-0. Um, Raul with the only goal uh, against Minnesota. Um, that's, that's my prediction. Yeah. Moving on. We got some other big games coming up this weekend. We have the Euro final tomorrow, Italy versus England. Both of us are rooting for England. I don't want to jinx anything. How have any predictions going into this game? Um, not based on score. I really don't. I've enjoyed watching both England and Italy. I it's think been it a, good be a good tournament. Yeah, it should be a good game to watch. You know. Um, Italy's could, Italy's done a good job of not being nearly as defensive as they have been historically, and uh, England's doing a good job of not being as racist as they have been historically. So you I know. could see this being a massive goal fest or going all the way to penalties scoreless. So I think it's going to be a good game. Um, uh, we'll see what happens in that game. Go England! And another big game, you know, tonight in the Copa, Copa America. Messi versus Ronaldo, not Ronaldo, versus Neymar. Uh, Brazil is the host of this tournament. Who do you think there's more pressure on, Neymar, Neymar or Messi? Yeah, couldn't begin to say. Um, you know, obviously... Who are you rooting for? Um, I'm, you know, I think rooting for... Um, you know, I think I'm more of a fan of Messi, the player. I haven't been following the two teams enough oh, to know which down. one would would annoy me more. Uh, you know, historically, Argentina hasn't been my favorite team. Uh, you know, long history of flopping and, and worse. I think you have to root for... Well, I have to root for Argentina here. Um, looking for Messi to get that first international title. Um to help in the debate on who is the GOAT, him or Ronaldo. Obviously, Ronaldo won the the Euros, and Messi has failed to win Copa America yet, so this will partly help prove that Messi is is the GOAT. Um, sorry, uh, you, you Ronaldo fanboys. Uh, but I would say there's more pressure on Neymar, since obviously, <laughs> sadly, this is... This is uh, something that we're kind of used to, Messi not winning the Copa America. And this time, Neymar is at home. Uh, Brazil 
has just been super dominant during this entire tournament. Um, and Neymar, he's a superstar. Uh, he should be expected. He, yeah, he's expected to perform. Uh, but we will keep our eyes on that game. And the other international tournament that is just getting ready to start, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. The stupidest tournament ever. Um, just some news that came out today is um, Guatemala late added to the tournament because uh, um, Curacao, you want to try to say that country, uh, was removed via, via COVID. Um, so Guatemala is in the tournament now. Um, where do you think, what is the expectation for the U.S. Uh, for this tournament? Well, so obviously the U.S. Uh, wants to think of itself as the best team in the region and wants to win. But it's also clearly true that we are, you know, not fielding the strongest possible team, trying to evaluate sort of the, the second 11 of the of the national squad and set ourselves up better for, um, for World Cup qualifying later this year. Yeah, I don't think that matters. I think the U.S., um, is expected to win. The Gold Cup is such a joke tournament. And with the amount of money that's in MOS compared to these other nations, um, obviously there are so many MOS players in this who do play for uh, most of the teams in, in CONCACAF. But so what do you think about but, the way the U.S. men's national team is using this tournament? You know, Do you think we should have pulled in Pulisic and Weston McKenney? Uh, to this tournament, or do you think they're making the right choice by letting them have the summer off? Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure about that. Um, I think the Gold Cup is so is such a stupid tournament that uh, that I don't think it should happen at all. And I would say that there at the moment there are too many international breaks. Um, especially during COVID, it's like why were we having so many friendies? I think there are too many friendies. Um, I still think the U.S., even though they got a big win over Mexico, um, I, um, and that was good for the U.S., We st- it's still unclear what the U.S.'s starting lineup is. And in, able, in order to figure that out, we have to be playing actual games. Um, so getting a consistent lineup. For, so for me, I would say it's better to have the starters in um, for every major tournament. Um, okay, well, I guess you're leaving open the door as to whether this is a major tournament. I, I mean, I would say no, but it's, it's, I would say, but I would say, like the fact thinking that players need more vacation—that's dumb. Right. Like, I mean, I, no, I'd no. say I say we should call them in if they're if they're available. Now, on the other hand, you know, for players who obviously should be on the U.S. men's national team first hand, first team but have mysteriously not been there, like Christian Roldan. Uh, obviously, nice to see him getting a chance in a competitive first-team environment. And this is the thing. I'm still not sure Christian Roldan is going to play much. And this is going to really annoy me if Christian Roldan doesn't play much and they end up keeping him for all the games and we and then we lose our first game of the season because he's with the team sitting on his ass Doing nothing. I'm going to be really mad since 
obviously he's an underrated player. Um, over, I mean, I mean, some might say maybe having him there is a good thing for Morris. Just telling it, Morris is gonna come. He's gonna maybe, yeah, Rodan's there just to hype him up. Um, but yes, in my opinion, I would say we still don't know what our best lineup is. So. I would like to see the normal teams because I don't want us going into World Cup qualifying not knowing who's going to be in the lineup. Because uh, we look at the successful teams in Europe and in uh, and in South America. They know we know exactly what their team is going to come out with if everyone's healthy. That's just not the case with the U- with the U.S. and I think if we're ever going to have success in the international game, that has to change. Okay, I think that about does it for this episode of Scarves Up. The next game is against Minnesota. It is on Sunday the 18th on ESPN. For that game, please remember to keep your Scarves Up. Scarves Up.